Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Well, welcome to the big show, everybody. Seth Kamen, Sean Palmer, both in the same continent, not at a wedding. Yeah, that would be Seth, but certainly on the same (laughs) continent and on the same side of the globe. Uh, We'll be joined together, uh, we'll be joined tonight by Backsports Page alumni Pete Mundo in a couple of minutes uh, to talk the lunacy of college football. I call it chaos. Other people call it lunacy. Either way, I'm really happy, like really, really (laughs) happy with how this is going. So we could have a two-loss team in the um, whatever you call bowl championship series. It's not BCS anymore, so let's just call it the college college football football playoff, I guess. College football playoff. All right, college football playoff. Yeah. Either way, chaos rules if Auburn – could just be Georgia. That's all I want. Um, Seth and I Seth and I talked about this yesterday offline where we where I was saying, you know what? I don't really have anything to do this weekend and he's like, wait a second, there's a huge amount of college football. And then I thought about it. Which is the Auburn game? What time does that start? And I think Seth told me uh, around three, three o'clock, right? About that time? I think it's four. So, but it will and get I to, said, we'll get oh. to Kuala Lumpur, we'll get to Eli, we'll get to everything in a little while. But I want to bring in probably the most impressive alumni from Back Sports page, uh, Fox Sports Analyst, Sports Illustrated, Sports, Sports Illustrated College Football Analyst, Wagner Play-by-Play Man, Peter Mundo, long time no speak. Seth, Sean, what's going on, guys? How you doing, Peter? So, so... You know, we're, we're talking about, obviously, you also run hard. You know, we want to talk a little bit of college football before I know you, you're kind of on a short time leash because of because of the, play, the, the standings are coming out in the next 15 minutes or so. You run heartlandsports.com, really, really well done Big 12, um, Big 12 website. What are your thoughts? Uh, we'll start before we even get to the, to the media and Greg Schiano. What are your thoughts on – Big 12, are they being disrespected in regards to Oklahoma probably in if they win TCU? TCU can really spoil the party for the Big 12, which seems like it's happened quite a few times in the first couple of years of the, of the college football playoff. Yeah, it has, and there's no doubt, uh, Seth, the Big 12 is being disrespected here because when you look at what Oklahoma's resume is all about, uh, three top 11 wins, the best non-conference win in the country at Ohio State, you can't tell me Clemson's win is over at Auburn is better because Clemson's win was at home. Oklahoma goes on the road, beats Ohio State by 15 points. Uh, that was as good a non-conference win as there is. And then two other top 10 wins with TCU and Oklahoma State. So, I mean, that's as good a win as uh, resume as you're going to get. Uh, better than Clemson's wins. Uh, better than, you know, up until this week, especially Miami's game. I don't know how they ended up behind Miami. But what the committee was saying was that they loved the defense that Miami and Clemson were playing, 
And that was so bogus because, okay, they got a great defense. Since when do we value defense more than offense? Oklahoma doesn't have a great defense, but they have the best offense in the country by a mile with the likely Heisman winner at quarterback, a fantastic offensive line, and ridiculous skill position players. So all of a sudden the committee is saying we like defense more than offense, which really isn't their job. So I think it's been a disrespect for the conference. That's where it comes from. And it's, you know, as a Big 12 guy um, running Heartland College Sports, it's certainly disappointing. Well, and the big fear that I have to assume that the Big 12 has is, look, you brought in the champion, you brought in the conference championship this year to kind of mitigate, you know, the criticism that you've had over the first couple – they've had over the first couple years um, that there hasn't been one because they're the only Big 5 conference without one. And now you're in this interesting dilemma where a very good TCU team, who's, I believe, 10-2, and two, number, ranked number 12 coming into this, Although they lost Oklahoma, we'll give, we should give Oklahoma pretty good runs if they win this. The Big Ten, the Big Twelve, is going to be knocked out of the uh, out of the CFP, out of out of the series. And as you said, they beat yes. Ohio State on on the road convincingly again in October, in September, but convincingly. So the irony being, TCU wins, Ohio State beats Wisconsin, which is very reasonable. Ohio State gets in with two losses out, and Oklahoma is out with two losses. Yeah, I can't see uh, Oklahoma that's, that's getting in. Even, you know, am I am I am I reading it no. correctly? Yeah, no, you're 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 spot on. I mean, the, the the committee has also told you, told us over these first three years, um, TV ratings matter. You know, Ohio State. I don't think had any business being in last year. They lost head to head to Penn State. Um, you know, they weren't in the conference championship game. They didn't win the conference championship, and. Then there you have it with uh, Ohio State getting in. We saw it in the first year with TCU and Baylor being hosed out in favor of who else? Ohio State. So, yeah, TCU can't get in, um, and that's you're right. I mean, it doesn't make much sense because their losses are going to be at Oklahoma, which is a totally understandable loss, and then the other loss will be on the road against an Iowa State team that spent some time in the top 15 in the country. So, I, you know, but that's, that's the system that we have here. There is a human element, which has its pros, but certainly has its cons as well. Oh, I'd like to once again say that chaos wins and I'm a big fan (laughs) of chaos right now. So going in now, as we, as you said, you run Heartland sports, you run it for several years after hosting a sports radio show down in Oklahoma. You are the big 12 expert. I've been a TCU guy actually for years. I had I thought they were the second best team in the country when when Alabama played Texas in the championship in I want to say six or seven years ago. I thought they got gypped in the first CFP, first in the first playoff when Ohio State made it. Um, they they have Kenny Hill. They they their defense is back to being a typical Gary Patterson team. What do they have to do to win to win this game? Well, they've they've got to have Kenny Hilton in the game of his life. I, he doesn't um, he doesn't have to necessarily do what you know. He doesn't have to match Baker Mayfield throw for throw. He can't do that. But he's got to play better than he did on the road in Norman a few weeks ago. It, in that game, TCU for the first time I saw all season kind of looked shell shocked, and that was surprising to me for a senior. Uh, laden team but the strength of this TCU squad is its front seven and the speed that that defense has the problem is you've got an, a, a team in um, 
in Oklahoma that has the best offensive line arguably in the entire country. So that's that's what makes it hard when your strength is mitigated by the other team's strength. Um, and that's why, you know, it's, it's going to be tough for TCU to pull this off there without their starting running back Darius Anderson as well. He's been out for a couple of weeks. Um, so it's going to be more pressure on Kyle Hicks and, and Kenny Hill and those guys. But you've got to try to expose the secondary of Oklahoma that has shown at various points this season it's not very good. So Kenny Hill's going to have to get, have to have the game of his life um, to try to keep up with Baker Mayfield as best as he can. Well, the, the top 25 ratings are coming out. Uh, and we're, just to give a couple quick numbers, UCF at 11-0 is – is number 14. TCU jumps up from, from 12 to 11. Stanford at 12. Kind of going through everything quick, because I know you have to go host your podcast in short order. So I'm assuming you like Oklahoma in this game. What are your, in the other championship games this week, we have Georgia-Alabama, Georgia-Auburn, which to me is, which to me is a, it's a playing game. I don't think there's any other way to mm-hmm. state it. Winner in, yep. loser out. I happen to like Georgia this week, I think they're, com- they're going to be a bit rested. I think they're angry and embarrassed after what happened. And I'm not sure if Auburn can keep this emotional, can keep this emotion for three straight weeks. Beating Georgia convincingly, beating Alabama, and then having to beat Georgia again on, 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 a, neutral t- on a neutral field. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a playing game. There's no doubt about that. I mean, there's no way um, to look at it otherwise. So that's a playing game. I, I agree that it's going to be tough. Um, for Auburn to keep that momentum going. But at the same time, I mean, this team is playing so well, and Jared Stidham has finally become the quarterback that, you know, ironically we saw in the Big 12 at Baylor a couple of years ago before he decided to transfer out after the disaster around our Bryles. I mean, this guy was a highly touted recruit coming out of uh, Stephenville, Texas, and he is doing exactly what I thought he was going to do. Now, that's the reason I give Auburn the edge here because – I like the quarterback better. You know, Jake Fromm is good at Georgia, but he's a true freshman, and he's been more a product of the pieces around him. Um, You saw Jalen Hurts had arguably his worst game at Alabama last week in that Iron Bowl. He just didn't look sharp. And if if that Auburn defense can make Jake Fromm struggle like that, it could be a very big afternoon for the Auburn Tigers, which I know, you know, the whole three straight weeks of of must-win games is, is difficult but I, I don't see any reason that that's going to slow down uh, this week, especially with what's at stake. But I know you have well, to Peter, quickly. So you, Peter, you <laughs> just made my dreams come true. I'm hoping for that <laughs> beyond belief. Uh, I fully uh, disagree with the way that the playoff is structured, and I'm just hoping – I'm not sure if you listened to the last week or the weeks before uh, show. I am just hoping for utter and complete chaos here. A true yeah, college football I think fan the, the Yeah, and I think the way you get the complete chaos is obviously uh, ACC winner and the um, SEC winner are both in. And then if Oklahoma wins out, you have that debate for the fourth spot. Is it the one-loss Alabama? If Ohio State beats Wisconsin, then you've got that debate right there. Um, and, and that's how I think the chaos kind of gets going. If Ohio State beats Wisconsin – and then maybe if TCU beats Oklahoma, uh, that's how you really get a, a potential disaster and chaos, as you use the word there, Sean, to describe what would happen on Selection Sunday. Yep. All right, so when we're all said and done, first of all, does Mike Gundy end up in Tennessee? No, no. I, I, I mean, I, I don't understand why you would go to that dumpster mind? fire. 
Yeah, I mean, you, is, you know, I, I realize he hasn't had, had a great relationship. Yeah, no, I, he doesn't have a great relationship with the guys there. Um, obviously, T. Boone and Mike Holder, the AD, but you'd have to have, uh, you know, half your brain taken out of your head to think that that's a good move to go to Tennessee and the dumpster fire that is um, the balls right now. I don't care how much money they throw at you. At some point, you know, whether you're making $5 million a year or $8 million a year, your life doesn't change a whole lot. And I don't see why you would decrease your lifestyle for a couple extra million dollars to deal with that dumpster fire. Well, if you're worried about Ohio State, they're now number eight. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a, quite, a few, quite a big jump to get to the top four when we're all said and done and beating you know, an undefeated but not overly impressive Wisconsin. I don't know if it's going to get the job done. When it's all said and done, who are the four teams in the playoffs? Clemson, Auburn, Oklahoma, Wisconsin. Who wins it? Ugh. <laughs> I, I think. Sorry. <laughs> I, I think you end up with a. Um, well, I think you end up with a Clemson Oklahoma game in the national title, and uh, you know what? Clemson Oklahoma in the national title, and then from there uh, we'll end up with an Oklahoma Sooners national championship. Why not, right, guys? I'm a Big Twelve guy. I got to do it. Well. Smoking like a Big 12 guy. One last question, and then I'll let you go. And I appreciate you coming on. Baker Mayfield's going to win the Heisman. There's not much question about that. Who are the other two finalists in your mind? Jeez, that's, I mean, that's, that's a great question. I don't even know, you know, you could argue, make the argument for Saquon Barkley, but I don't really think it's there anymore. Um, I think it's falling off. I, I, yeah, I, I just, I don't think there's much there anymore. Uh do you go with the Auburn running back? I mean, he got hurt last week, so I don't know what exactly is going on there. He kind of came on strong late. I don't know. I, I don't think it really matters. I guess kind of breaking down semantics because it's Baker Mayfield's Heisman Trophy. Um, it's kind of going to be even more of a runaway than last year, and it, it won't be a very exciting – it'll be an exciting night for Baker Mayfield and the Oklahoma Sooner family, but there's not going to be a lot of drama around it, that's for sure. All right, you want to uh, you you have your podcast coming up, and you want to talk a little bit about Heartland Sports, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, appreciate it, guys. Always kind of good to chat with you and catch up and whatnot. But uh, yeah, Heartland College Sports, just independently owned and operated Big Twelve uh, website, podcasts, articles, picks, videos, everything else. So uh, we cover all teams in the conference, and it's um, been a great way to kind of keep my roots to out there and where I used to work, and, and we try to just deliver as much content as we can on a daily basis. So please do check it out. All right. Peter Mundo, everybody. Uh, thanks for coming on and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Seth, Sean, anytime guys, take care. Thanks right. Peter. Have a great day. You too. So once again, ugh. I mean, ugh. why ugh? if what is, what is ugh? I don't know. I, it just seems to be a bland foursome. We all believe that Wisconsin is com- completely overrated. So yeah. how do we get Wisconsin out? Well, they lose. That would be nice. And then if they lose, then we have more chaos. And That's so we have that. to make you happy. Right, but... But Peter has them winning. 
and in. Well, then he, well, he's not as big a fan of chaos potentially as you are. No, I don't think it's I, – I, the word wasn't uh because I want chaos. The word was uh because I feel like it's a boring Final Four. It's not something that I would watch. It's not something I would even look forward to watching, let alone watch it in the first place. Uh, we, well, but, we both but, agree but that was – fair here. Well, yep. What would you – you're not a college football guy. We know this. Correct. What would you look Correct. Forward? What would you look forward to seeing? You want to see Alabama in? Alabama is not that ex- never been that exciting to watch. I mean, Ohio State is fun to watch. Um, right nah, now, Clemson's I, um, is, yeah. So what do you? What, so what I get. I get. I get. Uh, okay. So at Clemson, I get right. Cle- look, I aside from Clemson's one loss against Syracuse, which is ridiculous looking back on it, that you lost to a four and eight team that Clemson, to me, is the number one team in the country. Okay, so, and aside from that one game where they basically lost because they lost their quarterback or the quarterback wasn't playing at 100%, I view them as, as, as a top-notch team. I view Oklahoma as a top-notch team. I do. Both of those teams. I don't view Wisconsin in that light. So, I let's agree. take them out. Okay, let's assume whoever comes out of the Georgia-Auburn, I'm good with. So now we're back to number four, and having Wisconsin there completely makes this a drab-to-me scenario. Who do I want well, there? A, yeah, who do you want there? Who do I want there? That's not Syracuse. Yeah, yeah. In classical terms, I mean, I mean, ideally, you I'd want you – no, well, UCF would make it a great – I would watch that game. Yes. If you want me to put it on a pedestal as to who's going to be there, that I would watch the game, put UCF in that, in that championship. I would watch that game, no matter who they played. They're 11-0. and 0. They are. And if you're, te- you're, tell- you're telling been, me – Their schedule hasn't been that much worse. No, Alabama. Right. Right. Well, that's, that was going to be my point. You've told me that Wisconsin's schedule sucks. You've told me that, aside from this one game, they haven't beaten anybody. You've told me that Alabama, the only team that they, they beat one team in the top 50. You're telling me that Ohio State doesn't have a legitimate win. Okay, so why is no, the only I team? I didn't say that. Oh, I, don't, wait, wait, I didn't say that. Ohio State beat Penn State. Penn State's a legitimate win. Oh, sorry. Sorry, they have one, one legitimate win. Excuse me, one legitimate Because we said if they won, they would only have beaten one team, in, I think, in the top 50, you had said, because we, we didn't view Michigan as a top 50 team. Not in so, talking top 15, not top 50. I thought top we said 15. top 50. Okay. Okay. Top 50? So my point, top is, 50? Okay. my point is I would watch UCF. Yes, UCF would make it great. USC would make it great. Why would, now, why would I'd USC watch that. Make it? Why would USC make it great? Because USC's they give me 10, some so intrigue. No right, they give me some intrigue. I just don't just see because what, you're looking at your I, potential I, new quarterback. No, US Sam Darnold's not coming out, and if he's my potential quarterback, I think he's more likely your potential quarterback going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we we'll can get, we'll discuss that in a second. 
But anyway, I, I just don't view this as a – if Peter is right, that Final Four to me is a bleh. It's not really anything I get very excited about. That's all I'm saying. I look at it a little – yeah, I look at it a little bit differently. The, the top, they're now Obviously. out. Clemson 1, Auburn 2, Oklahoma 3, Wisconsin 4, Alabama 5, Georgia 6. So Alabama's going to go. Miami 7. Uh, we'll see. Because remember, if Georgia wins, they're going to trump Alabama. So, see, to me, you always have the one team that probably doesn't deserve it. Last year it was Washington. Two years ago it was Michigan State. Um, you know, so to me that's not a surprise. If we can get a Clemson-Auburn rematch or a Clemson-Georgia, I'd rather see Georgia simply because Auburn, they've already, Clemson-Auburn have already played, or Clemson-Oklahoma, something. I think that's a great final. I do. And, you know, I don't think Wisconsin, I don't think Wisconsin can beat Ohio State. I don't. Um, Wisconsin is the same team every year. They have a great running back in Jonathan Taylor. They have a really good defense, and their passing game is blessed. And that's what that's Wisconsin for the last twenty five years. I don't see anything that that's really their bat, dude. That's their basketball team too. They're a whole lot of boring. Yep. But you know, and we'll find out. We'll find out more next week. To me, these are fun, especially these games: Georgia, Auburn, Ohio State, Wisconsin. To a degree, USC, Stanford should be really good, although it has no playoff implications. So, um, you know, it's it, it should be a fun, it should be a fun, it should be a very fun uh, Saturday to say the least. So, going from a fun Saturday to a pretty dreary Sunday for Giant fans, in a relatively surprising move to say the least, I guess even in how it was done, after 13 years and 210 starts, Eli Manning will not be starting next week. Uh, it'll be Geno Smith and Davis Webb, and they well, are actually Seth McAdoo. Actually, Seth McAdoo said today that that uh, Eli will be the number two. Eli is the number two. This is one of the stupider things I've ever seen. Look, I am not Eli. They're not going anywhere, but Eli has earned the right within reason to leave on his own volition, whether it's to be, to request a trade, to get rid of it, to waive his no trade clause, whatever it is. And if you're bringing him to see what Davis Webb has, I don't have a huge issue with that. If you're going to draft a top five quarterback, a, 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 a Josh Rosen from UCLA, a Sam Darnold from USC, you know, if you're going to draft one of these guys, you want to see what you have in Webb before you do that. But if you're going to bench him to start Geno Smith, oh, screw that. that. That to me is ridiculous. And, you know, New York media is, is up in arms. I didn't get a chance to ask Peter about it because I, I knew he had to leave to host his own show. But that to me is, is just stupid because that's disrespectful to someone who's, who has brought you two titles and has been your quarterback for 15 years. You know, it's not yep. Eli's fault that the that the offensive line is horrendous and their top four wideouts are injured. Now, I don't. You know me. I have never been a big Eli guy. I am not the I am not the head, the headliner on the Eli Manning fan club. Never have been. 
I've always seen him as an above average, you know, as a good, as an average quarterback to above average quarterback, depending on the year, except for 2009, when they when they got in, when they were 10 and one when Plaxico shot himself. That year, he was an MVP candidate. Every other year, he's been good to above average to average. That's it. But you cannot you cannot bench him after 14 years for Geno Goddamn Smith. You kind of sound like sound like Mike Francesa right now. That's pretty much what he that's said. Really, so that's really disappointing. So, <laughs> uh, so, he, so let's look at this from a cap point of view. So I would understand if they made him a third, the third string and sat him out. And the reasoning is, is Eli next year has a five million dollar bonus, which is paid out on the third day of the of the new league year, which is generally around March seventh. So let's say that. But that bonus, I believe, is protected for injury. So if Eli gets, gets hurt in the next five, six games, they're in week 11 now, week 12, week 11, five games, let's say five games, he would be guaranteed that bonus. And they'd have to keep him on the roster for $12 million next year. Now, if he doesn't get hurt, they can cut him before the third day of the fiscal year, the, the league year, and then let him go get whatever he wants, wherever he wants. I think that's eventually what's going to happen. I don't think – if you trade him, first of all, another team would have to come up with the money right away. There would not be any less of a salary cap hit for Eli because all the guaranteed money is gone. So his cap hit next year – I'm sorry, he's got one more year of guaranteed money. So because of the, uh, the signing bonus spread out, the amortization of the signing bonus, there will be a tw- – if he is not on the team next year, for whatever reason, other than his retirement, which I don't believe will happen, it will be a $12 million cap hit in dead money to the Giants, whether they trade him or not. So I think he will be released – I think he will wind up probably in Jacksonville for a couple of years when Jacksonville goes and drafts a guy to replace him and leads him down the same path. Having him as a second quarterback is the most asinine thing I've ever heard because there's no reason for it. Now, there was a report, and it's been confirmed, that, and Seth, I'm not sure if you know this, Eli was asked to play a half of football. So he would start the game this week and play the first half. And after that, they would bring in Webb or, or Gino or whoever. And he turned that down. He said, that, that's not for me. So having him as the backup makes it even worse at this point. So I'm with you. I think it's stupid, especially if he's an injury risk. And we all know what Gino Smith is because, as Francesa said, this is not Chicago. This is not Phoenix. This is not Miami. This is New York. This is where Geno Smith played for a couple of years, or at least pretended to play. We, if you don't know what you have at Geno Smith by now, look, the Jets knew, and they got rid of him. So here you are going to the Giants, and you think that you have a better chance to win with Geno Smith. 
Uh, I got a bridge to sell you. I got a bunch of, like, loans I can give you because you got something mentally wrong up there. Now, Ben McAdoo says that, that Eli could come back after this year. Do you think there's any shot of that happening? No. Number one, why would he want – well, to be fair, Ben McAdoo won't be there. So if there's another coach okay. who really wants Eli, I guess he could. But no. I mean, the reality is that this is now finished. His Giants career is yep. over. And he will go down, you know, as, we've said, as I've said, as an all-time good. Not a great, but an all-time good. And whether he ends up in Arizona next year or Jacksonville or even Denver, I think – you know, I think he has a couple of years left of being a pretty decent quarterback with a good offensive line and with some talent surrounding him. I don't know, I don't know what happened this year. You know, the offensive line wasn't great. Paul Perkins was a disappointment. Every wide receiver, you know, unless they're going to bring back Kyle Rote and Frank Gifford, the receivers are pretty about the worst in the league because of injury. I don't love Eli. You, I, I mean, Sean, you, we've known each other for years. You know this about me. I've never been a big Eli guy. But he doesn't deserve this. Well, let me ask you this, Seth. You say he's an all-time good. Is he an all-time good giant? Let's, let's bring it straight down to the Giants. I think he's an all-time great giant. He may be an all-time good NFL player, but I think he's an all-time great giant. He's pro- I don't know if I would put him above Phil Sims. I guess I would. I don't know if I'd put him over Y.A. Tittle or Charlie Connerly. It was a little bit before my time. Um, but, you know, he was a very good co- – he had very good years with the Giants. And he's, certainly, he's an all-time good quarterback, maybe an all-time very good Giant. Maybe the best way to put it. Um, okay. You know, you look. You know, I'm a Giant fan. You live. You've lived in New York as long, longer than I, as long as I have. What are your thoughts? I on think that, he's on that an all-time. I, I think he's an all-time great Giant. I really do. I think that it would be very hard pressed for you to find a quarterback that's in better than him. Uh, I would put him far above Phil Simms. Uh, Phil Simms never won you games. He just didn't lose you games. Eli oh, has won you games. Well, well he's that's okay. Lost. He's lost you games too, but he hasn't been afraid of trying to win games. I, I don't remember Phil Simms winning games. He, I remember well, him going. I, uh, look, I remember the Super Bowl. But here's the thing. He didn't have to win games. Yeah, I, right? I think that's a different circumstance. Because that, those defenses in the late 80s are all-time great defenses. Yep. And while the Giants had good defenses in the, in the, in the mid-2000s mid with Strahan and Tuck and Omanura, um, they were not – there's not three Hall of Famers in their linebacking crew. Let's put it that way. So I, I, I see your point. I don't know if I agree with you, but I see your point. 
Well, that's good. Let's go with that for now. Hmm. So we're 30 minutes in. We haven't even mentioned. I was talk about your vacation. You're back from your you're back from your <laughs> quarterly for your quarterly monthly trip. My quarterly uh, my quarterly trip. My trip was great. Uh, two shows on the road. We've now had shows in Toronto, in Canada, in Singapore, in Malaysia, in Australia, and in New Zealand. So this and and the best part is Seth's been in none of them. <laughs> They've all been me. Uh, and oh wait, I'm sorry. We also had a show in Puerto Rico. So we've had shows all over the place. Uh, great trip. Happy to happy to be able to do what I do. And uh, next trip will probably be in February to uh, Australia and then back to Toronto. So yeah. It, it it is definitely a privilege it's to be a able to go. For Sean. <laughs> it's a hard hey. knock life for Sean. Hey. Exactly, Jake. Hey, you're my accountant, dude. You could check my finances after these trips. Uh, no, well, like I said, I I am incredibly privileged. I am incredibly fortunate to be able to do this. And uh, yeah. And and that's it. And I'm incredibly thankful. That that's a better word. I'm incredibly thankful for the people that allowed me to do it, both at work and my friends that put up with me while I'm away. So uh, yeah, and here I am back for a couple of cold weeks in uh, December and in January, and and then I'll be uh, jetting off to somewhere else in February. So so good times. Missed a bunch of things especially the fact that the Islanders have done so well at 14-7 and seven game tonight, uh, starting right now, actually. Uh, I missed the Seth and Sean Sports Radio fantasy football team collapsing under us, uh, uh, completely collapsing, but still in the playoff run, and, and that's what's important. We need to get to the playoffs. I still think our team, well, now that we don't have to pick Eli Manning as a quarterback, I think our team actually might be better. So, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, it's been, a, it's been a good couple of weeks, and, and I'm happy to be back in New York. And you, you can take me away from New York, but you can't take the New York away from me. So uh, happy to be back. And um, so getting back to what we said before about Eli, and I wanted to touch upon one more thing before we leave this topic of conversation. You the whole year have been in the suck for Saquon mode. Yes. Are you now amending that to a quarterback? Because I think you probably have to, don't you? No, because I still don't know what I have in Davis Webb. So what? You have a fourth-round pick. No, no. He was a third-round pick, number one. Third-round pick. Fine. He was. He, he had. There was. He, the thought was he was going to go at the end of the first. I want to see what I have with him. I also want to see who gets where they end up picking. If they can't get Rosen or Darnold, because here is my thought: Cleveland has to go quarterback. Even Cleveland can't screw this up. And Cleveland's not going to win a game the rest of the, this season. I don't think they're going to win a game this season. So. If Cleveland, for some extraordinary reason, doesn't go quarterback, 
Because Deshaun Kaiser in the last three games thinks he's, uh, what do you call it, thinks he's Joe Montana. And the Giants have, a, can ha- have an option to get either Sam Darnold or, Ro- or Josh Rosen, at, you know, the fourth pick or the fifth pick. Because I'm assuming San Francisco at a minimum will, uh, what do you call it, will franchise Garofalo. I forget, I forget who the number three team would have, is. Is it, is, it, is it Chicago? Yep. Um, I, I, it's just, okay, Chicago is not picking a quarterback. And the Giants right now are probably fourth or fifth. So, you know, if they can get Josh Rosen, who's the quarterback I would want, then I think they do it. If they can't, I have no issue with them taking Barkley. And this is such a deep quarterback draft where you can get someone a Luke Falk, a Mason Rudolph, you know, in the sec- with the second or third pick in the second round, or even a Baker Mayfield, if they decide to go the Johnny Manziel road. Manziel road. Excuse me. So, you know, well, I, I'm not sure. Well, I'll tell you, Seth, I don't think the Browns are going to have an option at number one anyway. I think Darnold stays. I think Rosen stays. And all there is is Josh Allen. And if you're the – I'm not sure Cleveland takes Josh Allen number one. I'm not sure they do either. Okay. So um, then what we makes have – what, what makes you think Rosen's going to stay? Chip Kelly. The hiring I'm not sure of he fits Chip Kelly's – so I'm not sure he fits Chip Kelly's offense. Chip Kelly, you know, Chip Kelly likes mobile quarterbacks, Dennis Dixon and Marcus Mariota. I'm not sure Rosen really fits yep. that. Well, but also I think Chip Kelly has to adjust his offense a little bit. This isn't the same uh, NCAA that he's going back to. The, the fast-paced, de- uh, sorry, Oregon way has been seen. And has been dealt with. And I won't say that every team runs it, but you're a long way from five years ago where it was new and innovative. It's not new and innovative anymore. You think he's going to be able to run the exact same offense and get the exact same results? No, but I also think they hired Chip Kelly for a reason. You know, Florida wanted him. Tennessee would have probably sold, you know, would have sold half the people in the state to get him. You know, they wanted him because he's such an innovative offensive mind. And to me, you know, his innovation has been, you know, his ability to really build Oregon into the superpower that they've been, you know, that they were able to hold for a certain period of time and now took a step back last year under Mellor Kelfich and having a decent year under Willie Taggart in their first year, in his first year as coach. Um, but I think he's, he'll always be innovative, but, I mean, he run, you know, this is the offense he runs. I don't see it changing that drastically. So, you know, that'll be okay. you know, The other question is, are they, are they staying? Do you think – I've heard about Darnold potentially staying. I've heard nothing about Rosen staying. Because Rose has also taken a few hits. So I'm not sure he's, it's worth it for him to chance staying, to be perfectly honest. But again, I also don't know if going to Cleveland is really going to be good for your long-term health either. It's a, yep. well, Cleveland is, is a dumpster fire. There's, there's no other way to put it. And 
you know, I don't if if the Giants pick four and they can't get Rosen, I hope they get Saquon Barkley. There's no great, there's no big time offensive lineman, and you know my feelings on top five offensive linemen anyway. To go defense really doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense, considering how much money they've put in it. And you know they're gonna everybody you know two years ago they were the best defense in the league. So I I don't see I don't see any other I, I it just it, it's what makes the most sense to me. You know, okay. I mean, look, the Jets are going to end up with pick 10, something along those lines, pick 10, pick 12, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm assuming you disagree? No, the problem is they did exactly what I said that they would do. They're going to be too yep. good for their own good. Now, do you see yep. that if Josh Allen is available at 9 or 10, do you see them making or trading up to try and get him? Is that Absolutely. the guy you want? Nope, but that's the yeah, guy that we're going to have. Yeah. So right now, the projected order is Cleveland, San Francisco, the Colts are number three, but they don't need a quarterback either, obviously. They're not taking a quarterback. But they may take Barkley. Yeah, they actually, that would uh, be a logical fit. The Giants are number four, and the Jets are number five. How are the Jets number five? The Jets five? are That's number five? No, Did they no, trade no, for a no. pick? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. No, that they have the right. – I think they have – no, this has to be – oh, this is projected order based on simulations. So right now – sorry. So Cleveland's one, Niners are two, Giants are three, Colts are four. Uh, Colts are four. Denver is five. The Bears are six. The Dolphins and Jets, I believe, are seven and eight. So they're seven or eight. At seven or eight, and Tampa's nine. So so Tampa, the Jets, and the Dolphins are all four and seven. So they could be anywhere between seven to nine. And if Josh okay. Allen is there between between seven and nine, and you're the Jets, I don't think there's any way you can't take him. Does Todd you Bowles have to do something. Sean, does, does Todd Bowles does, does Todd Bowles survive this season? Well, we've talked about this a number of times. Um, we talked about it in the beginning. I don't think. Yeah. I, I, I don't think he does. I thought he would at the beginning of the season. I don't think he does anymore. Uh, I think they lose out. I don't think they win another game. And if they don't win another game, I think they go one and eight their last nine games. And that's really, really hard to bring a coach back going one and eight in your last nine games, even with no talent. But the fact is they're a victim of their own success. Relative, relatively speaking. <laughs> well, yeah. Look, they were in the playoff hunt the first seven games of the year. Granted, they played garbage, but they were they were in the playoff hunt, and everybody got excited, and then they went one and eight. And you're not, I, like I said before, you're not going to win 
and you're you're not going to stay on your job at one and eight. Let me flip that to you. You've said before you think Jerry Reese is gone numerous times, but you said Ben McAdoo would probably stay and be okay. Does this change everything right now? Yes. Um, you think this is McAdoo's? You think this is McAdoo's call? I think yeah, I do. I think there's a combination of McAdoo and Reese. Um, I think I didn't think he was going. I think the team has, has pretty much tuned him out. You've had suspend. You've had two cornerback suspensions suspended. A third who's threatening to walk out on the team. You know your quarter. Your your beloved quarterback is being benched for a guy who got knocked unconscious by. <laughs> another player on another te- on his old team because he was so hated. Um, yeah, you're going nowhere with this. I think Reese, I, you know, I, I thought Reese should have been gone years ago. He had an amazing first draft, and that's really been about it. You know, Eli Apple was turning out to be another disappointment, you know, seemingly a disappointment. Um, you know, when you had a guy like Jack Conklin, who's already a uh, – who's already an all-pro. I think you need a reboot, you know, and it sounds ridiculous for a team that people were picking to go to the Super Bowl. Not, not me, not you, but I had them in the playoffs. I think you did too. So, I mean, to me, this is not, this is not acceptable. And I don't know who they go after. I don't, but you, you take a step back and you realize this team is, in big time flux with, with some salary cap issues due to some probably ill time signings. And you got Beckham and Collins coming up. It's time for a restart. Well, I don't think that McAdoo could come back if Beckham did. I think Beckham has walked all over this guy for better or for worse. Uh, Eli's not coming back whether or not McAdoo comes back. And, yeah, I, I think he's gone. Uh, excuse me. You know, that jet lag thing really hits you at around 745 at night. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hitting me right now. But anyway, okay, so we have a, an established uh, theory that both uh, – well, let me ask you, does Todd Bowles come back for you? I actually think he does. Um, I think he's done a pretty damn good job with a very untalented team. You know, the pro- they've been have they been blown out in any game this year, which may make it even no. more frustrating. Every game has been uh, no one game. One hold on, I think it was one I think, game. They got blown out by Miami one week. Is that who it was? I'm looking. I'm looking it up right now. They got blown out by the Raiders. That's right. Yep, week week like two. Yeah, every other game, uh, Buffalo lost by nine points in the first game, and they lost by twenty five. Every other game that they have lost has been, has been seven, has been eight points or less, one possession or less. And yep, you know, they, and they could very well have won a lot of these games. So the Jets need some, yeah. They have 
they have the minimum talent on the offense. They may be the least talented team, offensive team in the league. Maybe the Colts are worse. But, or in Cleveland, well, and we'll see how Josh Gordon comes back. But I, I, what is Bowles' con- – he's on his last year of his contract, correct? He has one more year after this? He's got one more year. I, I, I think he's staying. You know, I'm surprised to hear myself saying this, but I think he's done a real. I think he's done a very good job with this team, even keeping them competitive. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I just not sure he. Oh, whatever. All right, so let me <laughs> let's move on because there was one other thing that we need to discuss before our time is up today, and that is Greg Schiano. So the story goes, Greg Schiano, who is the defensive coordinator for the Ohio State Buckeyes, who did a very good job the past couple of years, uh, was interviewed by the Tennessee Volunteers, University of Tennessee, to be their head football coach. Uh, They liked him. He liked them. Supposedly they did all the background research that they needed to do, and they offered him a reportedly five-year, $25 million position. Uh, to become the coach. Now, Greg Schiano had been formerly the coach at Penn State as an assistant. No, he wasn't. And then, yes, as an assistant. No? Yes, as an assistant. Yeah, as an assistant. Formerly the coach at Penn State as an assistant, the head coach at Rutgers, a defensive coordinator, sorry, a head coach at Tampa Bay, and a defensive um, assistant, I think, uh, defensive uh, defensive coordinator uh, under Bill Belichick in New England. So has a good amount on his resume. Goes to Tennessee, likes it. They offer him the job, five years, twenty five million dollars. All of a sudden, the public gets wind of this, especially the Tennessee public, and says, "Hold, stop." No, we are not having a guy that supposedly was part of the Penn State, quote, scandal under Jerry Sandusky and Joe Paterno. We don't want this guy to be our coach. Social media outcry, blah, 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 blah. Tennessee says, you know what? Whoa, hold on. We're going to withdraw that offer. This wasn't signed by our chancellor. This letter, uh, this memorandum of understanding. And Seth, correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm getting any of this wrong, because I believe I got it all. And we're going to go look for somebody else. Thank you very much, Mr. Shiano. Good luck with Ohio State and Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. And full stop. That's where we are today. And Seth and I talked about this yesterday. He said to me, he didn't believe that he had ever seen this happen before. Am I quoting you correctly? In, college, in regards to college football coaches, I have never seen this happen before. That was the that was the implication or the intended meaning. And by and by this happening before, you mean public outcry has stopped the hiring? Correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. I don't know if that's true. I have absolutely not no idea. Now, now, are you saying public outcry has stopped the hiring before the hiring or just because 
in the sequence of events with the memorandum of understanding? I'm saying public outcry may have stopped people from getting offers that they may have that they that Correct. they may have received. But I don't think it's ever stopped anyone where the offer has been received and then had to be rescinded. Okay, that's what I thought, and and I would probably agree with you on that. And and you were actually a quite surprised and b angry that that would happen. So tell me why. I I don't believe it is the right. I think the issue I have with it is this. Louis Free, who did the investigation into Paterno, was okay with Penn State bringing in Shiano. Rutgers was, was okay with Shiano. Tampa Bay was okay with Shiano. Ohio State was okay with Shiano. Shiano has never admitted any wrongdoing. Nobody has even come close to having any finding against him on this. So either Tennessee claiming a higher moral ground on this, which I find ridiculous, or they're using this as a scapegoat as to because they don't think he's the right coach for Tennessee, and this is a way to get out of it because they still have their wet dreams about John Gruden. That to me is not you're ruining potentially ruining somebody's career by doing this. That's not correct. And to me, I find that sad. The ironic part is Seattle's probably the perfect coach for Tennessee because he's a hard-ass, no, you know, take-no-BS kind of coach, which is exactly what Tennessee needs because Tennessee's been spoiled for years, and they now have, this, they now have an overestimation of what their program is. And their program for all intents and purposes, is a mediocre SEC program. That's what they are. Chiano broke a team at Rutgers that was, the wor- that was Bill Snyder-ish. That was the worst team in potentially in college football. It brought them to number three in the rankings. That, that his record was 68 and 67 at, at Rutgers is the equivalent of being about 105 and 20 at Tennessee. They're not going to get anyone better than this. But the idea of hiring him for some reason, you know, I don't know what, you know, do they want a Tennessee guy? That's why they talk to Witten. That's why they're going to talk to T. Martin at USC. Try to go after to see if Peyton wanted a man. This is crap. You know, and you ruined okay. the guy's career. Well, Whether I like Shannon or not, and well, I don't. Well, okay, well, to be but, fair, he, he, he was the coach at Rutgers before the scandal broke. Okay, so Rutgers didn't have to be okay with him. Because they didn't know any better. That's number one. Number two, as far as I'm concerned, an NFL job is totally different than a college job. So the fact that Tampa Bay was okay with them, again, to me, doesn't really matter in this spectrum. Ohio State being okay with them after that, that goes through a long way, and Urban Meyer has stood up for him as well. So, but I get your point. So, you believe it's going to be T. Martin going to that, it's, what I, Peter said was a dumpster fire? Yeah. I think at the end of the day, 
I don't know what established coach that doesn't have a Tennessee connection is going to want this. Yeah, this is a team that is oh that went I think oh and eight in the SEC. I think they're Alabama. Their their last three coach they've had what four coaches in like five years six years. You know Jones Dooley Lane Kiffin. You know Kiffin loved it. You know they 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 chased Kiffin out and Kiffin, well I mean Kiffin would you know Kiffin went to USC so Kiffin kind of chased himself out. But the reality is, you know, you've heard stories that they would take Kiffin back. Yeah, I mean, well, Kiffin's done a nice job at uh, at Florida, wherever, whichever Florida school. I, I forget which one it is. You know, you can't ruin a guy's career on this. And that's really, you've pretty much made him blackball material, Shiano blackball material as a head coach. And that's not right because he's never been convicted of anything. You know, if it doesn't work, you fire your you fire your your coach, you fire your AD. But I really actually think it was a good fit, ironically. You know, but that's neither here nor there at this point. And now I'm curious how it's going to work to see if Shiano has any like legal leg to stand on, because even knowing the chancellor didn't sign it, the AD, both him and the AD did. So we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. I don't know. All right, we got two minutes to go, so hit it. Uh, I'd rather let you take – good luck to Josh Gordon and his, like, umpteenth – you know, after 27 – he was, like, five years off the NFL. He comes back on Sunday. You've been away for for two weeks. Why don't you take the last minute and a half? Well, that was going to be my thing. I was going to be very happy about Josh Gordon coming back. So, uh, I agree. I, I, I think it's – Look, Josh Gordon got suspended because he drank. Josh Gordon got suspended because he smoked marijuana. That's let's call it spade to spade. That's why he got suspended. That's why he's been out of the NFL for almost two and a half years, give or take. And to me, that's moronic. That is such an overreach of power. To, to punish somebody for, for the drinking, which is perfectly legal, and marijuana, which is ridiculous to suspend somebody for two and a half years of their life. Now, if you talk to Gordon, he says, well, I've recovered. This is probably the best thing that could have happened to me. Go on and on and on and on, on. I only wish him the best because I really want him to prove that this didn't take away his career. Okay. Now, next week we're going to be at a different time. We'll publicize that on the website. Uh, for Seth Kamins, this has been Sean Palmer, FactSportsPage.com, Blog Talk Radio. And remember, Syracuse beat Maryland yesterday. Yeehaw. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye. Boo.